the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back to the Dan Proft Show. I'm John Hinderocker from Powerline, filling in for Dan tonight. And we are joined now by Andrea Widberg, Deputy Editor of The American Thinker. And if you're not reading The American Thinker website, you, uh, you should be. Welcome to the, to the show, Andrea. Thank you. It's great to be here again. Andrea, I want to, uh, in this segment, talk about a post that you wrote at The American Thinker about Rush Limbaugh. You know, his, his sad uh, passing has uh, has prompted this really uh, unfortunate, you know, reaction from the left. But but in, in in your post here, you talk about why it really was that liberals feared Rush Limbaugh. To, to tell our listeners about that, if you would. For starters, you have to understand that I think, like many people who are conservatives now, I started off as a Democrat. I was raised in San Francisco and was part of the San Francisco scene. My parents were Democrats. My father had been born in 1919 in Weimar, Germany. And if you were Jewish, then you were either a plutocrat, an orthodox, or a communist. And he was a communist. Uh, came to America, became a Democrat, ended up voting for Ronald Reagan in 1980. Uh, so for me, as for many people on the left, becoming a conservative meant A, acknowledging we were wrong, and B, joining the evil empire, which is a very difficult thing to do when you've been told all your life that conservatives are evil. So I, it took me a while after I became a conservative even to find talk radio, but I'd heard good things about Rush Limbaugh, and I started listening to him, and I did what you'll read many people did, which is at first you think, wow, this guy is a blowhard. And then you think, wow, this guy is really funny. And then you think, wow this guy is really right. And I thought a lot about why he was so powerful in being right. And a lot of it was because he shared with people his thought processes. If you're growing up as I did on NPR, PBS, and all the alphabet soups of leftist media, they always present these neat little packages. Any news story has some facts and then analysis by people who are called expert but always lean left followed by a conclusion that, again, in retrospect, you realize always leans left. And so you're always presented with these, like, they're, they're little leftist pills that are given to you. They are pure blue pills. And what made Rush such a brilliant red pillar was that he would explain things at length. He would walk you through the facts. He would walk you through the thought process. When you listen to Rush, you're not being intellectually cheated. You are being given the whole meal, and you can figure out whether you liked it or not at the end. So I loved Rush, and when I became a conservative, most people in my world were leftists, and they would argue with me, and they'd do these packages of information that they'd thrust at me, what the experts say, and I kept urging them to uh, listen to Rush Limbaugh. I said, what can it hurt? 
if, you know, the worst that can happen is you'll disagree with him. And it became clear talking to many of them was that that was not the worst that could happen. For them, the worst that could happen wasn't that they would disagree with him, but that they would agree with him. Because once you agree with Rush, you have to acknowledge that everything you believed before was wrong. And then you have to say, am I evil? Or is it possible that conservatism is the antithesis of evil? And that is very, very frightening for those on the left. And so I wrote that up in a post in 2010 at my blog, Bookworm Room. And I'd been out shopping and I came home to my inbox full of emails saying, Rush is reading your post right now which was not just one of the best days of my life as a blogger, but one of the best days of my life. Because when you have come to admire someone as much as I admired Rush, and to believe that he has the magical power of clarity and persuasion about the truth, to hear his voice reading your words is absolutely overwhelming. And it was also a very generous thing for him to do with a no-name blogger. And again, I've heard from everyone where I read that this was typical of Rush, that the bluster on air was a performance and that behind it was an incredibly kind and thoughtful man. So there's my Rush Limbaugh story and my story about leftists and Rush Limbaugh. That's a great story, Andrea. And, you know, Rush is one of the great teachers. Uh, there are so many thousands of people that he, he kind of took by the hand and led them through the thickets of public policy and politics and, and showed them the way to a better path, a, a more rational path of conservatism. And it's really great to hear from one of the many thousands of people that Rush, you know, helped to educate over, over all those years. And I know what you mean, too, about oh, yeah. being quoted by Rush on air. Every once in a while, I would get emails from or texts from people. Hey, Rush is quoting you on air right now. And, you know, it's a great feeling because uh, whatever your audience is as an online, you know, writer, his was bigger. Right. So so if something you oh. wrote got read on, on the radio by Rush. You knew that it was reaching lots and lots of people. He, he, he was a truly wonderful man. And, and he is just sorely. We're going to go to a break, and we'll have more with Andrea Whitberg when we return. I'm doing all right, getting good grades, the future's so bright. The more you listen, the more you'll know. This is, this is the Dan Proft Show. Welcome back to the Dan Proft Show. We are talking with Andrea Widberg, Deputy Editor of The American Thinker. And Andrea, I want to talk now about another post that, that you have written at American Thinker, and that has to do with one of the real big news stories of the last week, and that is the blow-up between Mitch McConnell and Donald Trump. And uh, it started, as it usually does, with McConnell really denouncing Trump, I think, on the floor of the Senate, and then... Trump, who, of course, is a, is a counterpuncher, right? He, he attacks the people who have attacked him, really blasted uh, Mitch McConnell. Uh, a lot of people are kind of shocked by that, frankly, including me. Uh, what, what, what's your take on this, this blow-up? Well, I suspect that the men's personal styles didn't mesh well, and I suspect that uh, Mitch McConnell got a lot of grief from his Democrat Senate colleagues and was trying to justify his own presence in the Republican Party. But I think that there's something a lot deeper going on now. And the idea occurred to me when someone I respect greatly said that he thinks Mitch McConnell, who is not going to run again, he's an elderly man now, he just started a six-year term, 
He's not looking for re-election. So he was trying to stake out a place for never Trump conservatives so that Republicans who are hoping to run again in coming years don't have to be the ones who try to say that the Republican Party is a big tent. I respect that person a great deal. I also think he's wrong. I think what we're looking at is a very, very important war within the Republican Party. And a lot of people are talking about forming a third party, and I understand why, because the Washington establishment is mostly the non-Trump wing of the Republican Party. I think that's a mistake, because the Republican Party has infrastructure. In this day and age, infrastructure is everything. To get together all the competing factions and belief systems who are part of the Republican Party, which means the true big tent in America, is, is not just hurting cats, it's hurting really angry cats. So Trump wisely is looking to reshape the Republican Party, and because he is a principled man and liberty-oriented, he's not doing a purge. He is setting things up for some primary fights. Primary fights are really important, and I'm aware of that because I lived in California for most of my life, and as many are aware, a few years ago, California went to open primaries, which means that the June elections are basically just election number one, with the November elections being a runoff between the two top people who won for uh, Senate or, or um, House of Representatives, Representatives in any county. And because California is overwhelmingly blue, every November, the only people on the ticket were the two Democrats. Republicans didn't make it on the ticket anymore. And so when November rolled around, there were no opposing views. You never heard from people in debates or advertisements advocating for conservative principles. Primaries are really important. People don't take them seriously. Trump is working to take them seriously, which now gets me to the Trump-McConnell schism. On either side of the schism, there are a lot of shared values. There are the values about faith. There are the values about the fact that gender is not an illusion that you can change on an hourly basis, but is a biological reality and a societal necessity. There is the belief about law and order. There is the belief about racial equality. There are a lot of things that bind both sides. What is different is that the McConnell side is what I call the internationalist side, and the Trump side is what I think of as the pro-American or Main Street side, and it boils down to two issues. One of them is the border, whether it's open or closed, and the other is China. On the Trump side, Americans matter tremendously. Trump did not want to see Americans of any color lose their jobs to low-wage illegal aliens pouring across the border. Trump did not want to see illegal drugs pouring across the border. Trump did not want to see China dominating America economically, national security, free speech. So Trump, on, on the border and China, Trump is entirely all about Americans. McConnell's side is the internationalist side, and to the extent corporations still donate at all to uh, Republicans, they're going to donate to McConnell because McConnell says that the most important thing is to keep the money flowing. And we keep the money flowing by having cheap illegal labor come in from across the border, which lower income workers of all colors, but especially minorities, with which they cannot compete. We keep the money flowing by making it super easy for American corporations to dump America and go set up factories abroad, which is how we ended up with the decay of the Rust Belt. 
and we keep the economy going or the money flowing, not the economy going, but the money flowing by letting China have its way with us because China provides cheap labor, including slave labor, and China has a market of 1.4 billion potential consumers. And this goes back to the article that Lee Smith wrote in the tablet, which is that the political class and the, the upper echelon economic class in America has a new loyalty to a new country, and that country is China because that's where the money is, and that's where they see their power and their future. And America essentially is a colonial outpost for them of China, where just as England used to use the colonies to have cheap labor and goods and you know, trade mercantilism that favored England, America is going to become the colony to China. And that's the mixed side of the schism is my take. So that's what I think I, I thought one of the most revealing moments of the last five years was when uh, Donald Trump started saying America first and liberals reacted as if that was some kind of a scandal. Right. I mean, I would yes. say that that's the job description of the president of the United States. Of course, he's going to put a exactly. first. If you're not putting America first, what are you doing as president? But I, I think it's very revealing that the Democrats don't even pretend that they're putting America first. No, they don't. And, and to, to analogize America first to Deutschland über alles, which, you know, was about world domination, is insane when Trump was clearly and always speaking about taking care of his own people. And again, I keep adding of all colors because the white supremacist canard, which is falsely attached to Trump and by extension to all of us, is utterly infuriating. Well, we saw that in the results that Trump got, you know, record wages, uh, especially for minorities, record low unemployment, especially for minorities. And he got a lot of votes, you know, a lot of a lot of blacks and Hispanics, uh, could see the improvement in their own lives over the over four years, and, and a lot of them voted for him despite all of the propaganda. Andrea uh, Whitberg, that's a very incisive analysis. Really thank you for being on the Dan Prof Show, and we will be back with more after these commercial messages. Love Listen to podcasts of the show at danproffshow.com.